Who do you work for, really? Each one of us has a calling. Have you heard this before? Your workplace is your mission field, wherever that may be. You either work for him or work against him, but you work for someone. Who do you really work for? Is it your clients, your boss, your family, yourself, or your Lord? This isn't a trick question. There is a right answer. You're either all in or all out. Are you for him? I am. In fact, I work for him. Hey, Jim, who do you work for? I work for him. I work for Jesus Christ. I want to be your let me introduce you to the host of the I Work For Him show, Jim Brangenberg. Welcome, welcome, welcome. You've tuned into the I Work For Him radio show with your host, Jim Brangenberg. Take a minute and listen. I Work For Him, is, it's not a program that you sign up for. It's a mentality. It's a way of living. It's a permanent shift in your Christ-following paradigm. It's a revolution that's happening in the workplace, and it's about bringing the kingdom of God into places where the kingdom is ignored. Keep in mind that your existence in your workplace, it's not by chance. It doesn't matter what you do or where you do it. Whether you're a pastor, a car mechanic, an attorney, a teacher, a mom, a used car salesperson, your work, it matters to God. And he expects you to be his representative in your workplace. And in your workplace, to recognize that that's your mission field. And in that mission field, you may be the only Jesus your coworkers and employees may ever meet. Now, I know you've heard me say this tons and tons of times, but every day we need to be reminded that going to work is not just to draw paychecks so we can buy groceries. Going to work every day is an opportunity to be a light for Christ. Each day on the I Work For Him show, we try to bring you the practical, the tactical, the factual, and the biblical ways to incorporate your faith into your workplace. I don't come to you as an expert. I don't come to you as somebody that's got this all figured out. I'm just one guy trying to live my life transparently so that you can maybe gain something in order to be an effective witness for Christ in your workplace. Our paradigm shift is described like this. Romans 12.2, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Welcome to the I Work For Him Zone. I hope you're never the same. In our never-ending I Work For Him desire to bring you the practical, tactical, the factual, and the biblical ways that will challenge the way you think about faith and work, today we're going to be talking about living out your faith in a hostile work environment, and we have Rod Thompson joining us for our discussion. Rod, how are you today? I am great and happy to be here. I'm excited about this. It's uh, This has been fun. We've been looking forward to this. I've been looking forward to this for a while, even though we only actually just talked about it a couple of days ago, <laughs> but uh, uh, this is fun. Rod is, for those of you listening, a 30-year veteran journalist. Rod, you've been published in everything from local daily newspapers, uh, including the Sarasota Herald Tribune. Uh, so for those of us uh, in the in the Tampa Bay area. Actually, all, uh, the Tampa Bay Times, too, since we're here. Okay. All right. Since we're in the Tampa Bay area. All the way up to the New York Times. Mm-hmm. Uh, publications like People Magazine. National Review, mm-hmm. and something that might perhaps be dear and near to the hearts of our listeners, Focus on the Family, right. some other Christian publications. Weren't you also published in uh, like a men's magazine uh, for believers? Was that maybe a Charisma publication at one no. time? A new new yeah. Man? I just invented that then. Right. You oh, did. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, uh, but, I, but Focus on the Family, Citizen Magazine, uh, and I'd still write for them periodically, yeah. maybe three or four times a year. And fantastic. Rod, you also, uh, as, as a believer, of course, working in Germany, 
journalism, you have faced probably every kind of hostility <laughs> in the workplace uh, imaginable. Am I right? Uh, you are right. As a matter of fact, um, there have been a number of times in newsrooms over the year where I was the only conservative Christian in the newsroom, the only one. And you're talking about uh, in one of the papers I was at, there was uh, about 60 people between the, the city desk, the business desk, the copy desk, uh, about 60 people in that newsroom. And as far as I know, I know I was the only conservative. And as far as I know, I was the only Christian. Now, for a while, there was a man there who was a Christian, wasn't particularly conservative, but he was a Christian. And he, when we were talking about it, and I got so excited to find that out, and he specifically asked me not to out him. (laughs) Hey, I'm a believer too, but don't tell. Really? He just did not want, he was a very gentle man, very nice man, um, but not confrontational to the nth degree. And so he simply asked me not to tell it people so that he wouldn't have to deal with the fallout of it. And I honored that. Okay. Well, that was nice of you. Um, so well, it seemed like the Christian thing to do, really. <laughs> well, I'm trying to think. Let's see. Peter denying Jesus. Yeah. Okay. I, I'm, no, never mind. I'm That's sorry. That's, I'm not gonna, no, I know. I'm not going to pick on the guy. <laughs> uh, but I'm guessing that your coworkers didn't have to wonder about you. No, I was kind of the opposite of non-confrontational. <laughs> um, actually, I need to work on that a little bit and be a little bit less confrontational. But it helped. Helped me in a lot of ways in the newsroom over the years because it gave me a certain, um, well, I, over the years, the Lord gave me a certain confidence in what I believe because I had to, being in such an, uh, an opposite environment of everything I believe, I had to learn and hone and give, be able to give a defense for what I believe. And being able to give a defense in an in a atmosphere that was not only negative towards my beliefs, that was not only really anti-Christian, but was reasonably intellectual and well-informed anti-Christian, at least in their own minds. They weren't just like, ah, whatever. You know, they had very serious ideas because they all have college degrees, so they all got the, the, the college routine. And, uh, and so I, I had to be able to actually have serious, um, substantive answers to questions. And, uh, and when I didn't, I looked like an idiot. So I really had two options. I had to either really learn what I believe and how to defend it, which we are called to do anyway. Sure. Um, or I had to shut up, which I was constitutionally incapable of doing. <laughs> constitutionally, not the U.S. Constitution. Not We're talking one. about your internal constitution. Right. It's not in your makeup it's to be quiet. It's not in my makeup. Yeah, I wasn't worried about us being able to fill the whole hour of a show today. I was, <laughs> uh, well, we only have an hour. <laughs> exactly. So, um, you know, I, I think what you're, what you're talking about is interesting because a lot of believers uh, in a workplace environment may not ever have to deal with issues that could be de- issues of debate. You know, some, some people will bring them up. Like, like, you know, creation versus evolution or climate change or, or whatever the topics might be or, or Christianity versus atheism or all of the other conversations that our, our nation is having today. Some workplaces, you know, hey, it just isn't part of the daily uh, the, the daily chatter. But in a newsroom, election cycles come and go. These things are being discussed all the time. Am I right? They are. And whenever you have candidates that are out there discussing those issues, then it comes up, comes up in newsroom conversation. And immediately, if there's any question from, say, Mike Huckabee or somebody, you know, bringing up an issue like that, they immediately turn to me, the token in the newsroom, and want to know, so do you really believe? I mean, this is something, David, that came up so many times. Somebody walk up to me at my desk and out of the clear blue say, so do you really believe, and then ellipsis, fill in your point in the Bible where, where that person, whether, it's, whether it was uh, Noah and the ark, whether it was Jonah, that's a big one. People are just stunned that you would believe that somebody was in the belly of a fish for three days and then was coughed up on the shore and all. But what struck me as really shocking was how rarely 
they said you really believe that somebody died and was resurrected. That one they never asked about. They Isn't asked about the unusual Old Testament stories. And so I got started saying, so I can answer that, but don't you want to know about... Uh, yeah, there's that, a much more important question to yeah, ask. <laughs> and a much more interesting one, and, and really somewhat more, I would say, unbelievable from your point of view. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to the I Work For Him show. I'm David Johnson, in for Jim Brangenberg. And our guest today is Rod Thompson, a 30-year veteran journalist. Uh, and Rod, I, I asked you a few minutes ago about a scripture, and this is the one that you, that you mentioned. So this is Habakkuk 2, too. I'm going to read it out of the Amplified. It says, And the Lord answered me and said... Write the vision and engrave it so plainly upon tablets that everyone who passes by may be able to read it easily and quickly as he hastens by. Uh, this is from Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 2. And, of course, there are other translations, but I picked that one on purpose. What, what is it that's, uh, that the Lord is speaking to you today out of, that, uh, out of that scripture? Well, that's something that's been with me for a long, long time. And, and, and if I might, it, it's, it's set up with verse 1, too, about being you know, on the watch. And your watchman sort of on the wall there. And then the Lord, you're waiting for the Lord to speak to you. And what are you going to say? And then it says, write the vision. And having been a writer, you know, as you pointed out ahead of time, I mean, a writer for a living and in every medium possible for writing. It's been very relevant to me because I want to be able to write what the Lord gives me to write. And it turns out, I think it's true whether you're accounting, whether you're marketing, whether whatever your line of business is, you can do it in the way that the Lord has given you to do it. Hmm. And so if I'm just writing a news story, if I was just writing a news story, write the vision. I, this doesn't have to be Moses coming down with the tablet's vision, you know? It, you simply, what is the vision? The vision that I had for so much of that was to be honest with integrity, you know, ac- accurately representing the facts, being fair to all sides, and, and reporting it in a quality way in which I earn what I'm paid for it. You know, a lot there that, in my way of thinking, is honoring the Lord to, attra- to uh, approach it in that respect. And that is sort of the vision for it that I would be writing at that time. So not seizing upon the opportunity to uh, use your platform to talk about the gospel in print at every opportunity or to take Well, it would side. never make it past an editor anyway. <laughs> okay. Right. Right. So, uh, so no, no, because that wasn't my job. You mm-hmm. know, that wasn't what they were paying me for. And so that would have been to my, my way of thinking. Even if I could have slipped it in, that would have been dishonest, really. Interesting. Interesting. So we want to hear from you. Do you have a hostile work environment? Have you ever uh, dealt with uh, a situation in your life where you're in a, in a place where it's not favorably looked upon to be a believer in the workplace? Uh, you know, some of us deal with that. And of course, Rod, you and I are both uh, privileged now to be people who own our own businesses. So we get to create that culture and that environment uh, for our for our businesses and and so we don't have to deal with this. Now, let's talk about what you're doing now. I, we're going to get more, I'm sure, some uh, war stories from the front uh, from you as we go. But let's talk about what you're doing today. Uh, well, today I run a communications messaging PR business called the Thompson Group. It's based in Sarasota. We have clients here in Tampa Bay, down to Fort Myers. And what we do is we help companies and political clients uh, and get their message out, get their, to be able to communicate what they want to say about their company, about their firm. Um, and handle their publicity for them and help them basically grow their business through uh, publicity and through strong, vibrant communications. Sure. And and, uh, do you primarily focus on Christian companies? No. No. Um, We we are open to anybody. Matter of fact, I I, I have a client that's a Democrat. Um, (gasps) I know. um, And not a Christian. I mean, not even Christian friendly. Um, And and so as far as I'm concerned, though, I can still do right back to the right division, honest, integrity, fair. I can do really solid work for that company. Now, you know, I mean, I'm not going to be able to do work for Planned Parenthood. 
um, you know, there would be certainly there would be those organizations or groups where no, um, I'm sorry, I'm not the right person for you to do that. You should find somebody else. Um, but the reason why I would be, and it goes to my journalism background, news and background, the reason why I would be very open to atheists and to non-believers of all sorts is because that's always an open-door opportunity then for the gospel to be shared. Yeah, that's excellent. So what did you do to sort of sharpen your sword, uh, if I can use that kind of terminology, when you were, um, let's say, confronted with a, a tough question from an, an unbeliever? What, what was your normal mode of uh, your MO for, for tackling that kind of well, thing? I think that's the actually the perfect terminology. Sharpening the sword because you know the word of the Lord is the sword of the Lord. Sure, um, and it's a two-edged sword. So the first thing I would always do is go straight to the word mm. and, and read it. I would pray about it. But then I'm a voracious reader, and I would read what others had to say. There's been um, great apologists of the word, um, you know, as in apologetica. Yeah, uh, no, they're not apologizing. They are not <laughs> apologizing. Um, for, you know, of the word for uh, centuries and centuries, and there are excellent um, ones out there. And so a lot of those helped me create a foundation for it. Mm. And once I sort of had that foundation, then I just kept building upon it for myself for what worked with me and my environment and my personality. Now, I, I happen to know you uh, a little bit from, you know, just our personal interactions from over the years. And, and so you strike me as the kind of person who's kind of of a lifelong learner anyway. Absolutely. So what kind of resources could a believer uh, find for themselves if they're not necessarily... Um you know, hanging out in the apologetic section of the uh, Christian bookstore. <laughs> uh, what, you know, what, what, what do you recommend for somebody who says, look, I need to get my feet wet on being able to articulate a position that's biblically based? Well, that's excellent. I have to think about that for a bit. But cool. I, was, I threw you a curveball. You, I like you it. did, because, I mean, there's a bunch of, you said they're not necessarily in the apologetic circle. Okay, so well, I was I mean, thinking you know, about already. that. Already. I mean, so. Right, right. Um, I, t- I will tell you one thing. I'm actually working on a book, which may or may not ever be finished. It um, won't be your first. You've written two other I've books. I've written right two right other now. books that are published. But, I, but this book would be basically apologetics for the layman. You know, oh, just yeah. a simple, basic, exactly what you're asking. How can I do this? All right, I want to be able to defend the faith, um, but I don't want to spend, uh, you know, a college career's worth of time learning from uh, you know great apologists over the years. How can I do this in basic, simple ways in the discussion? Yeah, um, you know, based on you know the top fifty most um, vexing questions that you might get in the workplace. You know, I, I, I wonder sometimes, and, and I'm curious, what do you think about this? You know, why is it that we as believers don't do a better job of equipping people in our churches for this kind of stuff? Well, that is an excellent question, and and a bit of a irritant of mine over the years because I feel like that's actually someplace where the church has fallen down a lot. We are far too inwardly focused in a lot of our churches, I feel like. And in inwardly focused, I'm not just talking about you know how we do a church service, but that it's focused on the church service and it's focused on the church membership. And there's, there's so much of that focus and we will um, might, might have Bible classes and Sunday school classes and that sort of thing. But that does not necessarily, that helps you with scripture. Um, and you have to have that. Absolutely. Sure, for I mean, your personal clearly, walk. Right. Clearly, you have to have that. But if you are talking about Christ, about the re- one real true God with somebody who does not accept the Bible for what it is, you cannot use Scripture with them to convince them of anything. Right, because the fundamental belief in the Scripture is just not there. They just don't, uh, they don't, they don't uh, accept your premise that the Bible has is, uh, got any level of authority. No, exactly right. And so without that, you have to, um, you have to find other avenues, other methods um, to discuss with them. And as a lifelong learner, um, there's a lot of ways, actually, that you can interact. And some of them is with a rational, linear 
conversation. <laughs> Imagine that. It really is. I mean, it's extremely functional to be able to do that with somebody. Well, one of the first things I always do is, what do you believe? And invariably, it's a weak case. Mm. And, uh, and so the first thing you do is you undermine the foundation of their beliefs, whatever that you know, false belief is. I mean, one guy not too long ago I, I had was talking to me and said, well, I believe there's, there's more good boy chits and there, there's bad boy chits and good boy chits. And if you have more good boy chits at the end of your life, you go to heaven and all. And I said, and so what do you base that belief on? <laughs> well, and that was the answer. There was no answer. I said, so basically you're willing to chuck 4,000 years of writings and beliefs by a billion people or more based on what your kind of opinion is today. And you're going to you're going to basically you're going to roll the dice on your eternal soul based on that. Wow, that's that is that is absolutely remarkable. Um, and so you give them enough rope to hang themselves. And of course, you've got to have some preparation uh, uh, prior to that conversation, I would think, uh, in order to be able to tackle that with any level of effectiveness. So uh, so that's it. And we've been chatting with our guest, Rod Thompson, 30 year veteran journalist, uh, now a messaging and publicity expert uh, who is uh, serving small businesses and and their uh, and, and political clients as well. And we're talking about living out your faith in a hostile work environment. And I want to get right back into that. You know, Rod, just before the break, we were talking about uh, one of your strategies for sort of dealing with uh, people who might not have been as accepting or maybe even just uh, disdainful about your beliefs as a, as a, as a Christian. And, uh, and I love that your strategy was to ask them what they believe first and let them sort of expose their, their failure in, in, in rational uh, reasoning right. <laughs> and, and logic. Right. So then once, you know, sometimes when that, that's often pretty easy to do, almost once you let them say it out loud and they're talking about it, you can just let it hang in the air because so often it's really based on nothing at all. Um, and it's, and which is really kind of sad in a way, um, that they are willing to do that. But it's, it's almost like when they're so caught up with life and life's trucking along. Okay. Right now. And all, it's like, yeah, that's, that's good enough for now. Um, for the atheists. And there's a lot of them that are kind of atheist agnostic. I, always, a lot, I find a lot of them don't know the difference. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they, don't, they don't really know what, what, what they are. They'll, they'll say they're one, but they're really the other. Right, yeah. right. So let's just clump them together. Basically, they either believe there isn't a God or they're not sure if there is a God. Um, and so... Fair enough, you know, because yeah. we're trained with uh, humanist uh, rational Absolutely. reasoning. We want scientific evidence. So fine. Okay. You don't know? That's okay. All right. So let's, let's start from the basis. Okay. I think there is a God, and I don't necessarily think that because of the Bible or because God told me he was there. Um, it's because it's just a rational thought. Because basically, something cannot come from nothing. And they say, they can't really argue with that. I mean, basically, th- can something come from nothing? No, something can't come from nothing. So therefore, it seems to me that the something that is, that is all of material uh, creation, all of material creation had to come from something. And that something had to be, by definition, that which has always existed. In other words, if it was something that by definition it could be created, then that can't be the beginning. So I always like to rewind back to the Big Bang. I'm okay with the Big Bang theory, by the way. I don't know how you feel about it. We haven't talked about this before. I'm okay with the Big Bang. I think, you know, if God spoke, there probably was a Big Bang, you know, <laughs> like when he said light be. Right. And, it, and there was. But I always kind of am amused because uh, because people who will, will say, okay, well, there was a Big Bang and, and this thing happened. Uh, Okay, well, let's just rewind to like one second before the Big Bang, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, because they always want to start with this spoonful of matter and energy and everything that all infinitely occupied. hot, infinitely small, infinitely dense piece of matter. And my question always is, where was that? <laughs> yeah, and, and how did it get there? Yeah, but where? 
if all oh, of okay, matter like, is like contained, physically, where was it? Yes, okay. if all of matter is contained in that, where was it? Right, that's the answer. Dead air. <laughs> Dead there air. is no answer for that. And I say, yeah, it exists in the eternal. That's where it existed. Hmm. If that's if that's what God used, and 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 I am I am unconvinced, and I'm not opposed on the Big Bang. Actually, um, I don't buy evolution, but I'm I'm you know sure as far as the Big Bang goes, that's a that's a little bit of a different issue. And and while we could get the we could get the calls on that, I could get the comments from within my family on that one right oh, there. I bet. Oh, let's talk about your family for a sec because we've only got like a minute or so before we're gonna we're gonna zip out and we're gonna have some more fun conversations. I want to ask you later. We don't have time for this right now, but I want to know if there's any real truth to the liberal media bias uh, that that exists, not just politically, but also against believers. And so I want to have that conversation. But in the minute or so that we have left, um, let's talk about your family. You're a family man. Obviously, you've been married. I, uh, I want to say thank you to Kim, by the way. Those cookies were amazing. Yeah, they were. They were. Yeah, indeed. so we had a we had a ride up from Sarasota, both of the Rod and I. So we came together today, and uh, I I was pleasantly surprised by the cookies. So thank you, Kim, for the cookies. But let's talk about your family. Uh, you you guys have some kids. Uh, we do have some kids. We have eight children, <laughs> and and you know and, and and out in the world, I'm not getting the most the, the first question most people say all most all non-believers say is same woman. Oh, wow. Because they think it's a blended family. Surely it's a blended family. And I say, no. Nope, you're the woman. Brady Bunch. You yeah. must be the Brady Bunch. Must be, right? And I say, no, nope, same woman. Uh, eight, and we, we wouldn't have it any other way. And uh, four grandchildren. And by the way, one of them's um, not born yet, but that one still counts in my mind. So that's four grandchildren. Because that's a living, breathing, well, not breathing, but a living human being. Sure <laughs> yeah, is. Right. Okay. Yeah. And we've been talking to our guest, Rod Thompson, about living out your faith in a hostile work environment. But before we get back to our discussion with Rod, it's time for our book highlights segment, which is brought to you by Karis Christian Books and Gifts. This book is called God and Stephen Hawking. Whose design is it anyway? And it's by John C. Lennox. Now, Rod, we were talking about uh, talking about creation and, you know, people's positions on the beginning and the origin and all of that sort of good stuff. You've actually listened to John Lennox uh, articulate his uh, positions before. I have both in a, in a lecture format and in a debate format. And he's excellent. I mean, if you if you just if you were to Google, not Google, if you go to YouTube and look for John Lennox, just listen, I'd say about pick any of them. But he has debated all of the top atheists around the country around the world and uh and is a great defender of the faith cool so the book is god and stephen hawking whose design is it anyway and uh, from what you said he's got an amazing british accent he, yeah. he does so of course he's really smart but even sounds smarter oh that's great because you know for us americans anybody with a uh, with a british accent just automatically sounds like they have credibility so uh, if you want to get a free copy of god and stephen hawking whose design is it anyway uh, we'll send it out to you compliments of martha brangenberg and Kara's christian books and gifts and uh, that is going to be great so call our studio line 855 855- 265-2929. That's 855-265-2929. And remember, read the book. Don't wait for the movie. That just goes back to the 80s, man. That's a white heart classic. Like 1987 or something. Read the book. Don't wait for the movie. Classic. Good stuff. Uh, I was talking with uh, Jim the last time I was here, and uh, uh, we were just lamenting the fact that uh, they canceled their tour. Whiteheart was coming back for, for a reunion tour. But if you haven't been a fan of Christian music for like decades like I have, you have no idea what I'm talking about. So let's get back to our, our conversation about living out your faith in a hostile work environment. Our guest is Rod Thompson. Rod is a 30-year veteran journalist. Rod, you've been published in, uh, in, in daily newspapers, in the New York 
York Times, People Magazine, National Review, Focus on the Family. You, you continue to write for Citizen Magazine for Focus on the Family. And uh, as a journalist, you saw all kinds of stuff uh, in the uh, newsrooms that you worked in. And, and most your most recent position in journalism was as the executive editor of the Gulf Coast Business Review, mm-hmm. which I think is subsequently uh, undergone a name change. If Gulf I'm Coast Business Observer now. It's the, uh, part of the Observer Group, so uh, which is a fantastic business publication. It is. Yeah. And so uh, what kind of stuff did you see in these newsrooms? Well, there's a, like, I, right, one of my favorite stories that really stuns people, and this is, if I had a list of tips to give, one of the first tips would be don't assume biblical knowledge on the part of nonbelievers. Mm, right, yeah. You know, we live in a, in a culture now that's very different from 150 years ago where pretty much everybody knew it was in the Bible, whether they really believed it in the Bible or not. They and, knew what and maybe even 50 years ago. Yeah, maybe so. Um, that is not the case today. So a number of years ago, this was uh, probably less than 10 years ago, I met the coffee um, of course, I met. You got to have caffeine at the coffee pot over there, getting coffee. And there was uh, a guy over there who uh, was in the features department, and he was uh, he, he was a, a gay man, and um, a lot of that in the newsroom, and uh, great great opportunities uh, sure. for witnessing about the truth um, to the gay community there. And so he knew I was a Christian. And he said to me, this was back at the time when John 3.16 was being held up at football games behind the goalposts all the time. People would have all these John 3.16, John 3.16, which, of course, as a Christian, we know what that is. He asked me, is that an anti-gambling verse? Oh, my. Maybe the seminal verse for Christians in the New Testament, you know, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that those who believe in him should not perish but have everlasting life. I mean, like every five-year-old brought up in a Christian family knows that verse, right? John three sixteen. 16. His question was, is that an anti-gambling verse? Anti-gambling. Yeah, because, you know, there was that was sort of the concern. Oh, because it's at football games. It's at football so, games. And he, so clearly, he so was he, wait, so, 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 so what I think is so telling about that perspective is that it must be a verse that's against something, number one, because it's a Christian holding the sign. Good point. So it must be against something, and it must be something that they're against that's you know, maybe enjoyed by some people, uh, because otherwise, I mean, why would they be holding a sign? Because they're, they're protesting something, and nothing could be further from the truth. I mean, John 3.16 is, is quite the opposite of being anti-anything. It's all about love and, and a sacrificial love at that, no less. I mean, the, the, the greatest kind of love, uh, you know, a self-sacrificial love. And then when I when I told him the verse, first of all, he was shocked that I could quote it. And I just I hardly you knew mean where you didn't to have go. to look it up. I know I, I, I hardly knew where to go with it. And then and but then because it was that verse. I had this golden opportunity to with him to not only tell him the verse, and he was, wow, amazed I couldn't. I said, and here's why I know it, though. And then I laid, mm. I, I laid out the 30-second gospel for him and why that verse is so important and why those people at those football games are not trying to stop you from doing anything. They're trying to show you the sacrificial love of Christ. While we're there, this is to a gay man, while we're there at the coffee, and that's why I say you got to always be ready. I think I read that in scripture somewhere about being prepared. I think you're right. Yeah, there might have been a verse about that or two. But <laughs> So, uh, you know, I think that's just amazing, and I feel like we as believers have a lot of uh, responsibility that we should take on. But, you know, the blame for the fact that a gay man in a newsroom would make the assumption that something being held up by a believer at a football game uh, must be against something and 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 not have any idea what it's about. It, it, I think we're responsible for that because, you know, as, as we say it, on the I Work For Him show every single day, uh, you know, we may be the only chance that people have to read the gospel or to hear the gospel or see it. <coughs> 
And what are we doing with that? Uh, I, I'm also fascinated by the, the, the effect of Tim, Be- the, the, the Tim Tebow effect. And I don't have the numbers in front of me. I, I wasn't expecting us to talk about this. But when, uh, you know, Tim Tebow was painting John 316 on his on his face, right. the number of people Googling that verse uh, was, I mean, tens of thousands of people on any given game day when he was playing for the Gators even. It was frustrating to me in that whole era particularly how many Christians sort of rolled their eyes at him being so out there and being so, and I'm thinking that's exactly what you should be too in your way. Maybe yeah, not like Tim Tebow. According to your but, own giftings and your personality and so forth. Absolutely, the way God made you to be out there, be out there. But the, you, know, uh, you, know, you know, like my friend in the newsroom that didn't want to be outed. Hey, don't tell anybody. I'm yeah, a, don't I'm tell a anybody. Because well, I think you're right. I think that the, that misunderstanding is 90% on the church. Sure. Really, because we, we get this silo effect going and this, you know, preaching to the choir, literally, effect going. Quite literally. Where we talk to ourselves all the time without realizing that most of the people leaving that service are the ones out on the front line the professional staff there the pastor and whatnot they're still at the church there now they might be very evangel- evangelistic or they might not be but all of those going out there walking out the door could be evangelistic if they were being well equipped for it i think we have a lot of work still to do in the church in terms of helping believers understand what you just said a you are the evangelist in those people's lives and you know god's going to hold us responsibility for the people or responsible for the people in our lives Uh, those relationships that we have uh you know some of those are they're the very ones we're assigned to and we may not realize it and that's why i love what jim brangenberg is doing here with the i work for him show i love what you do in the in, in the marketplace with your business and obviously you and i've had many conversations about the need for the church to step up our game in terms of equipping saints, but especially people uh, that, that live their lives in the business world every day. Whether it, whether it's journalism like you, or 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 now in the in the small business community, we're working with small business people like we both do. Uh, you know, we have a lot of responsibility to help believers. That's why I'm really grateful for 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 shows like this and for books that are being written today and all of the materials. It's a different world today in 2015. There are a lot of materials available now for a believer who's looking to equip themselves. Really. A believer really has no excuse for not being equipped, except that they choose to prioritize in other ways. Um, or, um, you know, I know there are people with shy. I mean, my wife is very shy, um, but in the right circumstance, she will mm. absolutely be bold about it. And that's it. We just need to be willing. Not everybody needs to be like me or maybe like you and be willing to just, you know, bring them on. I'm ready to talk to Jesus about anybody, uh, you know, to anybody. Sure. Um, but to be willing to do it within who you are, if you are frightened of it, then you need to know God better because God is not the God of fear at all. And he is not the God of meekness in that respect, a different kind of meek in the, um, in Matthew five. Um, you know, he is not the God of shrinking violets. I don't think Jesus was much of a shrinking violet. He is the God of bold courage, faithfulness. And if you are fearful and shrinking and I just don't want to, or what will happens if they reject? Well, they rejected our Lord too. So that's okay. They can reject him again through you. If even if they reject you, you're in really good company if they reject you. I seem to remember him saying something about that too. They will. <laughs> they absolutely yeah. will. So and you're no greater it. than him. I mean, no. it's not like that. You're going to have some magical not ability greater than the master, right? You're not going to have some magical ability to win everybody over where he didn't. No, but you do have a responsibility to lay it out there when the door is open. I, I don't recommend forcing the door ever, but I recommend always being ready when the door is open. So you didn't march into the newsrooms every day with your John three. 
2016 sign and your big, uh, you know, 500 pounds, 1611 King James Bible and drop it on your desk oh, and make boom. a lot of noise. Yes. That wasn't your, your MO for it that? It wasn't. I did have the Ten Commandments on my desk just to be that way. <laughs> I did. I had the Ten Commandments Why on, am on I a not plat surprised? on there. Um, and, uh, yeah, and that was a lot of fun. But, that you know, I mean, everybody knew I was a Christian. Everybody knew it. And so I'll tell you what, though. If you're going to do that and, and everybody's going to know you're a Christian, you better watch how you live in front of them. You better watch your mouth, which I had to apologize more than once to, to a non-believer. And it wasn't cursing. It was just inappropriate attitude, really, being nasty to somebody, which I just shouldn't have been. And then when in all rational, you know, look at the, um, at the object there, that they deserve that. That was wrong of me, and then I had to go to them and apologize and, <laughs> and ask for is, forgiveness. Yeah. That is hard, man. Oh yeah, I I remember one day I was uh, I used to ride motorcycles full time. I hear that you're reminding me this <laughs> this story today. I uh, I had a black leather vest that I used to wear all the time, and one day a friend of mine who thought he was doing me a favor stole the vest and had a very expensive, very nice leather patch sewn on that said Christian Motorcyclist Association on the vest. And you know I was so thrilled prior to that. That being incognito on my motorcycle, nobody knew. <laughs> you know, when you're driving yep. down the road and you just... You, you, you got that fish on the bumper and you're... I know. No way. Not me, buddy. I can't either. And, and, <laughs> and, and I'm sorry that I can't because I get, I get too um, impatient in it, my driving. It changed my, my riding style when I was wearing that vest. <laughs> because, Absolutely. Because so maybe now, actually it was providential. Maybe I should put a fish thing on there too. I mean, I'm it, not saying that, brother. You just, <laughs> that's between you and God. But your point is really, really important, which is, look, if you're going to be out there with your faith and make noise about it, yes. then uh, you have to realize that you're not only the only gospel these people see, but you're the only representative that they're going to run into. And if you represent the the kingdom uh, in in an a, 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 you know an antagonistic and and belligerent way, uh, well, or or if you flirt with somebody or you check out a woman too long or I mean you name the thing you do, um, the problem is then that you're right. That's the only representative of Christ that they may have to be able to see, and then you are held accountable for driving. Here's the thing. One of the biggest hurdles for a non-believer is the hypocrisy of Christians. And the fact of the matter is whenever I get tackled with that, say, well, Christians are a bunch of hypocrites, I say, yes. Because, in the way you're saying it, that's really kind of true. Yeah, we can't argue that. We can't argue that. No, we are. We are trying to live up to the standard of our Lord, but because we are and because we are fallen, we fall short of it at times. It says all fall short of the mark, so we're going to, but we want to and we try to. And the, I understand you say that makes us a hypocrite. That just makes us human and frail. But that does not in any way diminish who Christ is just because we fall short of him. And you need to be focused not on Christians, but on Christ. Wow, that's a powerful, powerful message. So uh, on, on this note, so is, is there truth? I know I, I, I kind of teased this earlier, but is there any truth to... Uh, the the notion that I think some of us have about newsrooms and about just media in general that uh, that they're they're typically anti Christian. I'm putting you on the spot too because this is being broadcast and it's being archived and podcast all over the world. So so I mean I, I mean how true is that? Well, 100 uh, percent um, true. Really? Yeah, because I mean when just when I when I started out mentioning I was the only Christian 
you know, in the, in a newsroom of 50 to 60 people, there's no way that that can't be a bias. And, and the reason, and this is how it works, because we're all humans. We all have a bias. We all have a worldview through which we view things. There's a, a lens through which we see the world. Sure. Everybody has that, right? I have it. There's no way I can get away from that bias. I have that. That's my life experiences. That's my faith. That's the information. That's my relationships. All that creates a worldview. So if that worldview um, from reporter to city editor to managing editor to executive editor to copy editor is all somewhere left of center in politics and somewhere from being, um, you know, indifferent to Christianity to anti-Christian in, uh, in religious view, then what you're going to have is going to you're going to have a publication or a TV uh, station that is that. Yeah, and, and it's going to reflect that. There's no way it can't reflect. So that. it's not just hostility and malicious behavior necessarily, but it could just simply be that uh, those those folks don't are not are not even aware of the no. fact. That, I that would they say carry most bias. all of them that I work with believed themselves, and I think really tried to be professional and fair. They did, but it's why the the Washington Post could write a story that described Christians in the second paragraph as yeah ignorant and easily led. Uh, my guest today is Rod Thompson. We're talking about living out your faith in a hostile work environment. I'd like to get right back to this because uh, a lot of believers uh, are not able, they don't have the luxury that you and I have now. Uh, your your career has not always been this way, but today you have the luxury of saying, you know, this is my work environment because I own the business. Um, but when you were in other types of environments, often you would find yourself uh, con- confronted with uh, folks that just didn't believe like you did or wanted to, to actually literally confront you about it. Yeah, exactly. So here's a perfect example of that. And I, if I was lifting tips this tip would be listen to people um there's one I, i'm sorry what no I'm exactly <laughs> <laughs> i was thinking about what i was about to say no, i hope I'm people kidding. are listening to the radio right now yeah right uh so the I, I was the executive editor of the business review and a woman comes into the office and she's in her mid-60s and she knows i'm a christian i've talked to her about the lord before and all and she's not she comes into my office she's crying she's livid she slams the door bef- behind her and so I stop what I'm doing. Yeah, they get your attention. <laughs> got I got my guess. attention. Yeah. <laughs> and she was she was so mad, and I, I cannot repeat the language at all. She was mad because a neighbor of hers, a good friend of hers, had died finally of long lingering cancer, and Ugh. she wanted to know how any sort of loving God that I profess could possibly exist and allow that. There's no way that a loving God could. That is one of the toughest questions we all face. Sure. If there's a loving God, then why fill in the horrific thing that comes later? Right? You name it, right. Um, and so I listened to her. I said, well, tell me about it. And I let her vent for a while, let her get oh, out wow. some of her emotions. And then I said, if you will give me five minutes, just listen for five minutes let me explain to you how that can be the case. And I just went through real quick. Genesis fall of man god wants us back christ bridge that's the deal you know and i mean it was five minutes worth of that i just gave you 10 seconds i got it no i'm tracking yeah (laughs) and uh, hopefully our audiences do yeah yeah and and the woman's a christian she's saved now she's now actually isn't that powerful yeah she's living in louisville kentucky um and uh she's married now she wasn't then uh she goes to a baptist church she stays in touch sometimes with me and it's a it's a great thing but you know again I mean, I dropped, there was nothing more important in my life at that moment. No matter what I was working on, Hmm. there was nothing more important than that woman and that answer because, you know, you just sometimes know there's a soul in the balance. Wow. I sometimes think that as believers, we just don't spend enough time with people who think differently. Right. 
I mean, you know, that had to sharpen you as a not just as a as a as an evangelist per se, but just in your own walk with the Lord. I mean, it had to be challenging to you to kind of have to, uh, as you said earlier, because you said, look, if I if, if you're afraid of uh, of interacting with people, then you're not spending enough time with God because he, you know because He can help you with that, right? So so in 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 many ways, I think being in a hostile situation may actually have have been beneficial for you. Oh, absolutely. No, I believe that completely. Um, that that gave me a lot of the confidence and understanding and um, I don't know if you can say talents or whatever that I have now and that I can sometimes employ with God's help um, now because of that environment that I had. I'll tell you what, when I was a young Christian in a newsroom and, and I didn't grow up in a Christian house or anything, you know, I got saved when I was at Michigan State and then went right into newspapers and all. And I was not well equipped at all at that point. And people were asking me tough questions and, and I was embarrassed and I felt dumb. Um, and so, you know, that was that sort of that fork in the road. I either shut up about being a Christian or figure out what I believe and how I defend this. And then I loved, you know, the Timothy verse about that, you know, be prepared to give a defense for what you believe. I think it's Timothy. If I'm not, you'll probably hear. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it is. It's Paul talking to Timothy. Gotcha. But yeah, so that's good stuff. I, I appreciate you sharing some stories with us today. I know a lot of people still deal with this. And if we don't deal with people who are not believers or agnostic, or atheists or whatever we want to say or even uh, just people who are curious then it's 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 something that we need to find ways to do I think as believers we need to sharpen ourselves I love the fact that we have a, a free country where we can worship freely and openly and we don't have to worry about that at least for now and uh, but but you know what the fact of the matter is that we do need to spend more time around people we can't be salt and we can't be light if we aren't around places that need salt and places that are dark hide it under a bushel no right yeah and i think sometimes that we have a tendency to do that well i want to invite you as a listener today to join something big you know jim is looking for a thousand people in tampa bay who will take the challenge to look at the workplace as a mission field excellent the very thing we've been talking about today and i and i'm going to join jim i'm going to say we're looking for a thousand people uh, and, and these thousand people need to be people who are willing to start praying for their coworkers and their employees. They'll look for ways to benefit, to befriend them outside of the workplace. They'll look for ways to serve those coworkers and employees in the workplace, willing to be ready to pray with people in the workplace when you see an opportunity, or as we just said, listen and take the opportunity to be there for them in those moments. Also to be the best and brightest example of a person in your position, a person who seeks excellence. If this sounds like you, if this sounds like something you're willing to do, then you need to go to the I Work For Him website, iworkforhim.com. That's I work the number four and him so i work for him.com and click on contact us and join the i work for him nation we- you're listening to the i work for him show with your host jim brangenberg i'm a christ follower who owns my own business but ultimately i work for him